Hi, you're listening to On the Podcast with me, Kirti Prada Balaji. You can find this series on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all that shit. Pun totally, totally intended. You can also stay tuned to updates by following on Instagram as well as Twitter at On the Podcast. But before I forget and before you forget, smash that follow button. And I hope you have fun listening to what we have to discuss in today's episode. Um, I don't know. You're going to edit this, right? Like, <laughs> we can. Full disclosure. I Okay, I, I don't know if, like, the people listening already had a clue or not. But if they didn't, they, they really should. I have ADHD. I am completely incapable like I am physically incapable of sticking to the point and focusing on one given said thing I will start at one point and I will never ever finish the story but I will have finished six other side stories and given you context to like 13 others but you will never hear the ending of the story that I first started off with and then you will keep reminding me though that we should go back and I will keep telling you that yeah we totally should but wait I need to finish this one though because otherwise I'll forget that one as well and this this story is a lot spicier. No deadass and I'm also such an enabler because I also don't really stick to the point either and I like the way our conversations meander and like honestly the fact that it's you and me and neither of us tries to stick to the point is just going to be a great introduction for anyone who listens to us talk. So hi I'm Joss. Um, My friends call me Joss or Jossie, but it's short for Jocelyn. Uh, So if you can't find me on the internet, it's because my name is Jocelyn. Um, I have known Kirti for four years and some now because we were randomly paired as roommates in the dorms freshman year, chose to live together again sophomore year, um, and then ended up being best friends till the end of time. We've had some pretty crazy times together, and I think it's only appropriate that I support the project as your first guest. Um, And I'm actually super excited about this topic because, like, mental health is something that's very, very important to me and very near and dear to my heart. Like, I've done a lot of work and a lot of activism in, like, um, Southeast Asian mental health spaces in college. And it's something that's, like, really, really important to me. And I know, like, we've both sort of been on our journeys together separately and then together and then now we're like just kind of you know trying to support each other through it so i'm excited to be here and excited to do this and excited to listen to this episode at the end even though i hate the sound of my voice yeah i don't know for me like therapy is super worth it one because it really helps me but two because health insurance is really expensive and health insurance covers my therapy so if i'm going to be paying for health insurance i might as well go to therapy but basically with a therapist, therapists can can offer you two things, right? Total confidentiality and no judgment, right? If you feel judged by your therapist, they're a bad therapist. Like, and I don't like to say that any therapist is bad, um, but th- that's the truth of the matter, that the bare minimum is they need to be non-judgmental, right? The problem with friends and family is that a lot of them sort of have this preconceived notion of who you are or who you're like supposed to be. 
Um, So what's really nice about going to a therapist is that you can go to them as you are because you are paying them, right? So you don't have to pretend to be someone else. You don't have to fit this idea of yourself or the image of yourself that you project. And maybe this is just because I'm a really fake person for the most part. And there's like very few situations. We're all fake. I don't know. I mean, yeah, hell yeah, we are. But like, I think, I think like a lot of times my personality is very specifically projected to get people to like me. Right. That's something that I do. Um, And so I tend to be a little bit of a chameleon and I very rarely just like let it all out there. Um, And I think the reason why I have such a hard time with like meeting new people or even like in like new situations is because I don't really know how to be yet. Mm -hmm. And then there's certain people that I get comfortable with them, like giving them a certain personality. But then there are the people that I can actually just be myself around. Oh, yeah. Um, And I think that's, like, those are my real friends, right? But for the most part, yeah, for the most part, I'm putting on a front. For the most part, you're only going to get the personality that I want you to get from me. Yeah, no, because I think, like, I mean, doesn't everyone want to be liked on some level? Oh, like, yeah. Everyone wants to be liked on some level, wants to be related to and like wants to feel relatable to or like, you know, whatever. Like, so everyone is a social chameleon to some degree. I don't think like, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's you having the emotional intelligence to adapt to your social surroundings. I think that's not something a lot of people can do that easily. And you can. And I don't think that's like you're a fake person. I just think that you're capable of assuming different personas and depending on the kind of circumstance and situation you're in and I think that requires a level of emotional intelligence that not most people could probably have but at the same time that shit's exhausting bro like I just want to be a fucking train wreck like you know what I mean like I don't want to be I want to be perfect and manicured like I'm not and I think and I think the, the the time that I started going to therapy was about the same time that you know I was like recruiting for internships and stuff you remember yeah um and I think that that's that's kind of when I started going and I personally was so exhausted every time from wanting to be liked by companies or recruiters right essentially yeah and so like it was really exhausting for me to put on this like perfect manicure front all the time and like try so hard because I'm not I'm I'm kind of I'm not that I don't know it's hard for me to be that aggressively self promoting like I I don't know it it takes a lot out of me to do that and so I I was just like exhausted and I think as you said going to my therapist I was just like dude I'm a total absolute mess Mm -hmm. um yeah I just am a wreck and I could just be and I don't think there was like any yeah there was no expectation there was no judgment there was no preconceived notions there was no yeah yeah it was very there was nothing you were supposed to be exactly it was just what happened and how did it make you feel 
and then getting your feelings validated, which was like, I want to say 75% of the battle won. Because I'm someone who keeps gaslighting myself. um, And I keep, you know, I keep going, you don't, you don't actually, it's not actually a problem. I don't need anyone else to gaslight me for me. Like, I can just do it myself. I'm like such an expert at it. No, seriously. I am such an expert at it. I think I gaslight myself all the time. So when I was having those like doubts whether or not I did have ADHD and like, you know, I asked, I went, I went to therapy, like my last session, I was just like, yeah, like sometimes I, I gaslight myself into thinking I don't, I bought into like the big pharma ploy. I'm just like, you know, sometimes, sometimes I'm just like, I think I bought into like some kind of weird American big pharma ploy. Like this isn't real. Like this isn't like a real problem. You don't like, it's just like in your head. Yeah, now you know. And I think what's what's kind of wild about ADHD is how like underdiagnosed especially girls are and I've definitely seen a lot of stories and seen a lot of examples of people, my friends, my close friends, you and like other close friends that we have um go through this diagnosis, you know, in college, like in their 20s and I think like when they get this diagnosis, suddenly everything clicks, like everything makes sense. Oh my God. It was like my entire life. Like it was like my entire life's mystery being solved. It was like, whoa, everything in my entire life that I have ever done or haven't done makes so much sense now. Like my life, makes it's just a lot more it's like the fog was lifted and yeah. I was like oh that's why like I'm not crazy like the, I wasn't doing that because I wasn't like a restless child because I was I was just like I wanted to be a bad kid and be disruptive like like what the fuck like I'm I'm eight dude I'm not trying to overthrow the teacher like what what who am I I'm an eight-year-old kid I if you can't be like, oh, she's really loud and she's really disruptive. Like, what do you mean? What do you want me to do? Sit in one place? I am physically incapable of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's not even, and it's not even like, you can't even argue that it's a cultural thing because it happens to women that grow up here too in the US. Yeah. Um, And it's just like almost the the inequality of diagnosis and like the way that ADHD presents itself in boys and girls is different. And the way that like people are socially conditioned to see boys as like traditionally like more rowdy as kids and stuff like that. And then girls with ADHD, like just tend to go underdiagnosed because their symptoms just present differently. And it's just so wild. I don't even know. Like, yeah, I mean the whole, the whole like daydreamy aspect of of ADHD is something that isn't ever spoken about or like at least portrayed in like I guess mainstream media yeah mainstream like pop culture movies music whatever like whenever you know there's any talk of like ADHD or hyper like it's always like hyperactivity it's always like a young kid running around bouncing off walls and like yeah i feel like that is that is usually like the mainstream portrayal of it and 
and so it i mean that's the whole reason why it it took me like 22 years to figure out that i had adhd and it wasn't like all the other things that you know my doctors thought i would have had mm-hmm. um and so i think that's very true in that we find a lot of women being underdiagnosed with adhd because of like the symptoms just being confused with maybe they're just lethargic right maybe they're just i don't know cuz like you know a lot of times i feel like even socially and culturally like girl children are like disciplined a lot and like kind of like at least in like the indian community when you when you talk about like the girl child like it's stricter raising a girl child like you know there's more restrictions on like how late they can stay out what they can wear how they dress speak etc um and so you know so like most girls are like not unruly or un- like you know they're not loud or anything they mm-hmm. they're not troublemakers and like culturally women are expected to like not be troublemakers so they never are so it i feel like just even being denied that outlet it takes on in like different forms like right. it just kind of like it just manifests itself differently and that's why it goes underdiagnosed and it's pretty tragic if you ask me cuz like ever since i started my medication i can i can tell you for a fact that my life the quality of life that i have has improved exponentially and i'm talking like exponential improvement in terms of like the way i feel my energy levels just my my ability to like get through from one day to the next right. without like struggling a lot um to do very basic simple tasks that tasks that are otherwise seen as very normal or or like what is so hard in that yeah definitely and i think like the i think like one thing about mental health is that like you ever think about how much more you could have accomplished or like how much better you could be if you had just gotten diagnosed earlier if you had just dealt with it a little earlier because i feel like that sometimes now i mean i've been going i've been seeing a therapist since i was 14 i've had anxiety and depression I struggled a lot through high school because I was, you know, 14 or 15 when I started therapy. But then like yeah. I got to college and I was pretty much fine, you know, like I had gotten a handle on my the like fluctuations of my mental health. Um I got sort of used to the ebb and flow of like the way my mood um changed because of anxiety and depression. and it was something that i was sort of able to cope with so i think like because i caught it so much earlier i just fared better mm-hmm. and i think one of the struggles with mental health is always thinking about like damn like you know how awesome i would be at everything if it weren't for you know i don't know i truly believe i would have been unstoppable I think that is why. I, you ever seen honestly, that? Honestly, honestly, yeah, like sometimes sometimes I look at myself and I'm like damn, if only you didn't have this. Like you would yeah. be you would be god almighty. You would be god almighty right <laughs> now. Like that's the reason. Like god didn't god didn't let you have 
that level of freaking dopamine in your prefrontal cortex because he knew you'd become too powerful and maybe even overthrow him. Yeah, there's this, yeah, there's this like really <laughs> funny, there's like this really funny tweet or Tumblr post or something that's like, God gave me a mental illness because if he hadn't, I would have bested him in hand-to-hand combat at age 16. And I was like, wow, that pretty much sums up how I feel about my mental illness. So I was talking to my mom and then she's like, no, I mean, you know, I don't want there to be like any kind of perception. And then I was just like, if I'm being very honest with you, I think I have made peace with it to the level where I don't even think of it as like, I don't think it's an illness. I think I don't even like, because when I think about it, I think I'm like really, really good with certain things because I have ADHD. If I didn't have ADHD, some of the things that come so easily to me will just not. Right. There are just certain skills and certain advantages that I have or that I get to have because of my ADHD, which I think like, which makes me think that I think it's the system that failed me, you know? No, absolutely. The system... People with like mental health issues or concerns because the system is not accommodating enough. Like, you know, it's very, it's pretty ableist if you ask me. Like, yeah, if you're absolutely. Gonna say, you know, like a child has to sit in one place and, you know, it's when it's physically impossible and, or like, say there's like other issues that a child faces, say there's other forms of like even. And, and like, I think the the one thing that really irritates me is like, while, while I get to come out and I say this, um, I feel like I'm at this point in my life where I have some level of credibility. Right. Um, where like, if I'm like, yeah, I have ADHD, but like, that doesn't mean I am stupid. Of course, yeah. Right, because that's like the normal assumption that comes with anyone that says that they have like a mental illness or whatever is that there's like that assumption around them that they're incapable no absolutely yeah and that's like something like even my mom like when i was a teenager and i was you know kind of dealing with this for the first time and like going to see a therapist for the first time and just really really struggling like my mom was also just like just just don't tell anybody about it like don't tell anybody in the family you don't need to tell your friends like what do you need to tell people for like what's the point of telling people and then on that sort of vein like there's like this very real stigma or this very real sense of shame that like somehow you failed because you have a mental illness and the fact is like brains are weird and brain chemistry is weird and sometimes you just sort of end up this way um and honestly like honestly like a lot of it some of it is you know sometimes it's something happens to you and it messes you up but to be honest with you like i had a fairly normal childhood um i don't know like my parents did their best we could get into that but my parents did their best and I think, like, I've reached a point in my maturity where I recognize that they have done their best and they are also just people. Yeah. But yeah, there was a point in my life where my mom was like, yeah, don't tell anybody that you have depression. Don't tell anybody that you get panic attacks. Like, it's, it's 
shameful. Like, it's strange. And then I was talking to her recently about, like, starting my new job and, like, sort of having this existential dread around my career and like my um onboarding team asking me to like set goals and think about my career and I'm like man I don't even know if I want to stay alive for the next three months you know what I mean like what do you mean what does my life look like in five years I don't Um, know what my life looks like tomorrow yeah and I was just having this like kind of existential conversation with her and like also going through it with my mentors but then my mom when I was talking to her about it she was like I mean doesn't everybody go to therapy these days so just like the shift in the you know seven or so years that I've been going to therapy um she's gone from don't tell anyone you have a therapist don't tell anyone you have depression and anxiety to doesn't everybody see a therapist these days what does it matter if your coworkers know that you go to therapy and I'm like you know what you're right I bet everybody goes to therapy and if they didn't go to therapy 2020 I think has done a number on our like collective trauma like I think this anyone that's alive right now anyone that is alive right now is like experiencing this level of collective trauma and i think after this like everyone's gonna need a therapist absolutely i mean i personally so i I wouldn't say who but a family member called me and admitted to having panic attacks essentially Mm -hmm. and um you know uh, i mean they described the symptoms of a panic attack um and they were like well i i i just didn't want to think too much of it but you know, I, I'm not, I'm not too worried, but like, what do you think this could be? Like, do you think I should like see a doctor about this? And then, and then I go, y- you know, that that's, that's a panic attack that you described to me. And maybe you should go to a therapist that that would help. Um, and, you know, they obviously immediately rejected the idea of, um, of, of, you know, going to a therapist because I mean, yes, th- th- there is that level of stigma attached um, to it. I know I lucked out. I lucked out so hard with a being able to come and live in a country where therapy is kind of um, accessible, more accessible than where I'm from. Right. Um, B, I am so grateful I was able to afford the insurance that I could mm-hmm. use to find a therapist. And also just like, I think I was you know, at the right place, right time. Like I got lucky with a really good therapist. I got lucky with a really good psychiatrist who was very careful about um, not over-medicating me or not, you know, I know, cause like I was extreme, especially when it came to medication. I think there was that level of reserve. Like for me itself, I had a lot of internalized stigma. I always had that stigma attached to, you know, therapy in that I would never judge anyone else for going to a therapist but I myself was not okay going to I was just like that's a sign of weakness or defeat or failure or something um because that's kind of how it's perceived um and so I I think like that perception itself is kind of I don't know it's kind of sad to me because Mental health and physical health, if you ask me, are equally important. And if, I mean, mental health, I think is even more important, if anything. But, you know, because like, I don't know, like when I, so say if you're born with like a congenital heart disease, are you ashamed of it? 
yeah right it's like why would you wouldn't judge you like you wouldn't judge someone for like taking antibiotics for an ear infection yeah or whatever i don't know um you don't judge a diabetic for taking insulin yeah exactly and i mean obviously there are stigmas with different chronic conditions and stuff like that and like like these are things that happen and physical health and mental health are very closely linked but you know at the same time like if you get sick and you go see a doctor like nobody judges you for that right so why would why is there such a stigma around like going to a doctor when you're depressed or you know i don't i don't get it i mean i i for one just think it should be treated as one in the same mental and physical health like and i think that's one thing that i've been like really been pushing that agenda with my mom i've been pushing so hard on that physical and mental health are one in the same equally important thing with her and she wasn't ready to accept that until i got my adhd diagnosed mm-hmm. it's like if you have an iron deficiency you take iron tablets you have um you have i don't know lack of insulin you have diabetes you you take insulin no like and so same way like my brain is not able to produce a certain chemical and it's just incapable of it and that's just making a lot of seemingly easy tasks a lot harder i'm talking like for me doing laundry is is insanely hard going grocery shopping literally will give me so much anxiety going grocery shopping is my is my favorite time and my worst nightmare combined it's my favorite time because i have so much fun while i'm there but then i spend so much money and i spend so much time there it's a massive time sink and there's no way i can control myself and i'm constantly overwhelmed with all the options yeah you know what i'm saying it's like little things like that which are seemingly just easy for most people or just like waking up in the morning and moving quick that's just i don't but then at the same time it's like that doesn't mean i can't code it doesn't mean i can't build a robot like you know what i'm saying yeah. it's like seemingly easy tasks everyday tasks are so hard for me that i'm i'm expending so much energy more than i need to on like everyday day-to-day menial tasks that i'm not even able to spend that time doing the things that i could be doing right yeah i see i i get that Yeah, that's that's the the other thing is that like growing up in a kind of collectivist immigrant family where like the extended family and their opinions kind of matter and like they were all really close. Like I'm really close to all of my aunts and uncles and there's still things that I just don't really tell them about and stuff like that. I mean, I think they all know that I see a therapist or have seen a therapist now, but there was there was a point in time where it was really really hard to be around them because I couldn't reveal certain parts of myself. And then now I'm like totally out in the open with I think everything. Um or at the very least, I don't really care if they find out anymore. <laughs> And honestly, it's like a weight off my shoulders because I don't have to hide anything. But also like I also have the privilege of not relying on my family anymore. So if they get pissed off at me, I um I pay my own bills. So, <laughs> bye. No, exactly. I think 
no that's the thing like i don't know if everyone has that luxury like i mean even for me like so i i feel like that I, i'm just for me i'm in that exact same position where i'm like i pay my own bills bye but i feel like it's just a lot more intense back in india like everyone is like everyone almost feels yeah. entitled to your business it's a level of entitlement that they have in your life and it's it's concern yes on some level but on like i feel like that line is crossed time and again um like time and again and time and again and time and again and and it and it reaches this level of judgment that it's it's so toxic um it's not concern anymore you know it's just judgment um and and i think that's the problem um but like that's that's the thing with like you know big brown families i mean they're everyone is entitled to everyone's yeah. business everyone's entitled to an opinion and entitled to say a say in everyone else's life um and it's not even seen as intrusion there is no sense of privacy like what do you mean privacy what do you what do you mean privacy what do you mean your room this is our house it this is your dad's house he pays the bills here i didn't have my room growing up i didn't have a room that was like kirti's room there was a room where i slept most frequently and there was a room that i studied in most frequently and and then there was the living room and there was the dining area and and everyone was allowed in everyone else's room and and, and the room where i slept was not the room where my clothes were so you know, it it wasn't like i had a room or anything there wasn't something like this is hers only my laptop i didn't even have something called my own laptop I was applying to colleges and I used right. the family laptop. It's the same laptop that my dad used and I used and my brother used. Everyone used that laptop and they gave it to me then cuz I had the highest need like highest priority then cuz I was the one applying to college. So they were like, "Fine, she gets first dibs on it whenever she wants cuz she's applying to colleges." And so there isn't like a sense of privacy really. There's nothing like mm-hmm. that's yours and mine. it's ours um and so right. everyone just feels entitled to have an opinion in your life and yeah it starts off as concern and then it slowly devolves into something more than that and then i think it becomes very intrusive when you're like when you let that affect like your decision to pursue medical help or not no absolutely yeah like with my extended family like a lot of my family members immigrated here when they were quite young so you know through high school and college is when my family immigrated to the US like most of my aunts and uncles came here for school and like we definitely so they've definitely i think assimilated a little bit more but it's still there's still all these stigmas there's still all these um kind of remnants of like the way that we hang on to our culture the way that we take care of each other the way that we hang out all the time like it's definitely different and you definitely get that sort of judgment and i mean kind of one of my best examples actually is um so i got my first tattoo it's been 2 years since i got my first tattoo 
And I thought I was slick, okay? I was getting it in November, and I was like, okay, I'm not wearing any crop tops. I'm not wearing any bathing suits. Like, it's November. It's going to be winter time, and by the time my mom sees it, it'll be, like, June, and it'll be fine uh, by then. Um, spoiler alert, it was not fine. It was my grandma's 70th birthday that December, and we were going on a cruise. A fucking no. cruise. And... There's no avoiding a bathing suit There's on no a way cruise. Doing that. I mean, you could if you wanted to. You could, like, if you really. Yeah, but it, I would have yeah. been super sus. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I basically had like a month or so to like mentally prepare myself to lay it all out there. So what I did was I called my mom and I told her like literally three days later. I was like, I was not prepared to tell her that at all. But I called my mom and I told her so I wouldn't just be revealing it in front of the family. And she could also mentally prepare herself for the judgment that she would inevitably face from the rest of my family. And oh my gosh, I was so right because like I step out in like a crop top and something and then my aunt is like, oh my God, what did you do? And I was like, I got a tattoo. She was like, oh my God. And um, one of my aunts turned to my mom and was like, you let her do that. If it was my daughter, I would kill her. My mom looks her straight in the face and goes, yeah, okay, we'll see. <laughs> Which honestly, like it is. When it is like one of those it's one of those things that's like my my mom will be upset at me but she will yeah. defend me to anyone yeah. else right like my yeah. decisions are my decisions she is not happy with all of them um but what parent is happy with every decision that their kid makes right <laughs> yeah you haven't lived if you haven't disappointed your parents at least a little a bit right the more you disappoint, the more you live, apparently. No, 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 no. I'm editing that out. Yeah, so my aunt has a daughter who's, like, 10 and obviously hasn't really, like, gotten gone into a rebellious phase or anything like that. But I don't know. I'm just, kind of just excited. Just, just wait until she's... Yeah, just wait. Just wait until she's 13. We've kind of derailed this conversation already, so... <laughs> I was, like, trying yeah. to stick to it, but we've kind of derailed. Where were we? Yeah, it's fine. Dude, I have ADHD. I can't be asking for like <laughs> these things. If, if you're being, if you're being honest with me, I don't think, I think, I'm, I, I think I got as close to you as I did. Oh, yeah. Because you can keep Yeah, up. so. I don't have, like, like, you know when I'm talking about something and I'll just completely forget and I'll switch topic and then, and then I'll just like reference it as if I just said it like. 30 seconds ago but in reality i would have spoken about it like maybe no i always know back. what you're talking about i always know what you're talking about because no, i think my mom and i have similar conversations and it's kind of funny because like growing up um growing up like my mom and i would have these conversations and we'd have like three conversations at the same time right so we would like reference different topics of conversation that we're all having at the same time and my dad would get really confused right like my dad wouldn't really be able to keep up because he's the type of person that like we have to stick to the point right um so he always has a hard time just like kind of going through the mental gymnastics that my mom and i just immediately get and I find that the people that I can get closest to are the people that can keep up with my topic switches and can have all these conversations at the same time with me. 
Yeah, I'm just like, I'm sorry, I am not one. I have a lot of things going on in my head. My head, like, it basically feels as if I've opened, like, 20 different windows with, like, 13 tabs open in each of them. And one of them is playing the music, tab. and you have no idea which one it is, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, essentially. And, like, more like one of them's playing music, the other one's, like, Netflix, and the third one's, like, a Hulu show, and then there's, like, maybe a Spotify fifth thing like a youtube also in the background and then there's a pop-up ad and, then, and yeah <laughs> yeah and then there's like virus attacking it on one side like it's it's be, like, yeah it's like and then it's like it's like you know like you know when like your computer starts overheating and the fan starts running and like that i feel like that computer that i feel like that 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 computer that's like so overworked that the fans start running full speed um that's kind of how yeah so like whenever someone's like what is your head uh, when my mom was like what do you mean you have adhd what is what does that mean and then i was just like it's like i can think of like fifty thousand different things at the same time she's like what do you mean and i was like like i mean the time that i'm talking to you i'm constantly thinking about something else she's like what and i'm like like fifty thousand other things dude like i couldn't even tell you like I will, like, I'll be talking to you in mid-conversation. I will remember that I've forgotten to buy, like, groceries or, like, I've forgotten something on my grocery list. And it's, like, it's, like, a constantly running machine. And there's no way for me. And, like, my thoughts are moving so fast. It's kind of just, like, I catch what I can. Yeah. It's almost like my, my thoughts move so quickly. I just catch what I can. And it's like sometimes the most random, absurd thing. And so it seems like I'm very spontaneous or whatever, or random. And I'm just like, so you you know like the tattoos that I've got. So when I got oh, my yeah, first yeah, tattoo, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. So when I got my first tattoo, I so it was it was completely out of the blue, completely out of the blue. So like another like really common, I guess like where ADHD presents itself in girls is like, apart from the daydreaming thing, a lot of them are very impulsive. Um, and I'm one of, I'm one of them. I'm one of the most impulsive people that I know. Um, I'll do things on a whim very quick, but, but, but when I say I do things on a whim, I mean, these are thoughts that have occurred to me in the past. It's not completely out of the blue. I mean, yeah, definitely. It's not like it's not like it's you not decided like I didn't you want to ever get a tattoo yeah. and I regret getting a tattoo. It's like, no, I have wanted to get a tattoo at some point, but the timing at which I chose it was completely random. That could have happened when I was on that spring break trip in Seattle, or it could have happened when I was, I don't know, when I was in New York with you. Yeah like two summers later it could have happened whenever honestly um and that is what i think is the impulsive part not the fact that i got the tattoo itself yeah. but then you know i got the tattoo and i sent it to my mom and then when i was uh, and like i read this like so when i was like basically self-diagnosing or like when i was reading internet articles um before i went and spoke to my doctor about how i think i might actually have adhd there was this like one article that you know i like really identified with and um, I even sent that to my mom. And the second she saw the the one bullet point that was like impulsiveness, she was like, yes, you have it for sure. <laughs> for sure you have it. I need people to be 
able to keep up with like my complete lack of linearity because yeah that's the thing time doesn't move linearly for it's just it's just like a i don't know it's like a curvilinear loop kind of i don't know it's not like i don't know time doesn't move the same way for me that it does for every other human being apparently can you imagine like can you imagine that people like they perceive time differently different people perceive time differently right that's essentially the root of my problem is that i perceive time in a way which is so different from other people and so that allows me to have certain qualities and makes it incredibly hard for me to do other things i've never heard it i've so never heard like, it described that way but yeah you know what i'm saying it's literally like perception of how i perceive time is very different and um it doesn't move in a linear way for me i'm not thinking of things in like a sequential way essentially right and time. you never tell anything in a sequential way so this makes yeah. a lot of sense actually because i have never known you to tell like anything as part of a timeline i can't read a recipe i've never followed a recipe you fun fact i have never followed a recipe in my life you want to know okay. why because i never actually read it through i read the list of ingredients and then i skim the instructions as if they're suggestions and then i just go about it yes, as if i'm yeah. some master chef <laughs> with confidence of like i don't need, like i don't know where i get that confidence from i don't know what entitles me to that confidence i am absolutely not that good of a chef or anything i'm not i'm not some pastry chef I absolutely have no cooking skills. I'm not even domesticated. My mother did not even teach me how to cook. Right. So like, yeah. you know, the confidence with which I just don't follow a recipe is astounding to me. I'm just like, "Wow, Kirti, how do you how are you so confident? How are you just so confidently like chopping goddamn onions and tomatoes? Like, how do you know that's how many you need?" I don't know. I'm just going to yeah. I and I don't and I and i couldn't be bothered to read i have never read an entire question through in an exam it almost feels like and like i mean you're like you're not foreigner to the whole like just not moving yeah the your... brain fog and the lack of like just being unable to focus i definitely like one of my first symptoms of like slumping back down is brain fog and like inability to focus like i know that things are going to start going downhill if i start forgetting things all the time um if it's really hard for me to like sit and watch something or anything like that like where i'm just like constantly like my attention is being diverted elsewhere and yeah like that's a huge part of like the symptoms that i feel like at the initially and then it just gets yeah. goes down from there you know no exactly i think like Yeah for me it's essentially like both of them kind of like it's like they they kind of act together and they're like yes <laughs> yes have all the brain fog keep calling different mm. doctors that are on like the list and dude, the 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 healthcare system here really is just it's designed to not let you get help yeah 
it's so it's so frustrating it's really really frustrating i'm just like are you kidding me all i wanted to do oh i just i miss i miss the convenience in india you know yeah, like, yeah. i definitely know i definitely know that privilege comes with a lot of money and stuff over there as well but i'm 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 still paying a lot of money here and i still don't get healthcare here you know what i'm saying yeah. like for the money i pay here if i paid the same amount in india i would be getting vip suites in like start treatment and i'm just like dude i just want a doctor that can just let me take my medication like and i need to be prescribed these things over and over again cuz they change every time i change states i'm like what is with that like does my adhd just disappear when i'm in a different state i don't understand like how does the diagnosis change i don't i don't get how this united states of america works because y'all are not that united i don't, i don't know man like a 40-hour work week like the way that we we work now is just not really conducive to like it's not really conducive to your mental health at all it's not really especially if you're especially if you're not like neurotypical especially if you have these issues with like focusing and stuff like that like it's just so damn difficult to sit and stare at a computer for 8 hours a day and it really doesn't help that we're like all stuck at home and you, there's like no separation between work and home and anything like that like for me when when I moved my well when I moved my work station out to my living room it did help a lot that I wasn't working and sleeping in the same space but dang, like it's just so sometimes it gets so difficult to focus just because like I don't know, there's nobody around me to kind of motivate me to to do what I need to yeah. do and then like I don't know, I just the the kind of startup cost of having to call somebody and get my question answered versus just like turning to the person next to me and being like, "Hey, do you know how to do this?" like now like a 2 minute question will turn into like a 15 minute phone call because we have to go through the whole hi how are you how are your kids how's it going what was your did you have a good weekend blah 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 you know small talk small talk chit chat chit chat and then you can ask your question whereas i really sometimes just want to be like hey do you know how to do this and can you show me real quick and it's just like the phone etiquette versus like in person etiquette it's like i've been sitting next to someone all day um so yes. i don't have to say hi to them every time i need to ask a question but now that like things happen in between phone calls like we have to go through the hi how's it going um i don't know it was just i that's pleasant Yeah, so and it's just it's just so exhausting, man. It's exhausting. And I'm on the phone like 3 hours a day, so <laughs> No, dude, same. I mean, I'm in meetings day in and day out, and I feel like especially for someone, I don't know, like ADHD or not, you know, when you're sitting on your laptop, you have the internet right there and you could always just pop like a really interesting tab open and like start watching something it could be netflix it could be funny videos it could be memes you could be seeing it could be you could be responding to texts you could be doing so many things and it's that accessible yeah yeah i mean they're designed to distract you and they distract people that are very neurotypical and like you know my like our we have neurotypical friends that spend all their time on their phones you know 
And yeah, these things yeah. are specifically designed to distract you and to like hold your attention and to waste your time, right? Like that's what social media is kind of there for. And I think it's like it's compounded for right. me. Like it's the the world as we the world as we experience it is just not designed with things like that in mind. Right? Like things like fidgeting, like things like stimming or like using like little fidget toys and things like that are seen as really childish when they're like highly necessary coping mechanisms for people with ADHD and autism and, you know, just a whole host of things. Um, and I think like, you know, and I think we are kind of tending, trending towards having these things becoming more socially acceptable. Yeah. Even if they aren't quite a social norm yet, yeah. you know. So yeah. I don't know. No, I, I mean know. my um, therapist suggested I get a uh, either a fidget spinner or a fidget cube. Yeah. Because, um, because uh, like you know, I wanted to try and get back into reading, um, and then I noticed how like I felt a lot better when I was painting. Like, painting mm -hmm. was, like, the one activity that I really enjoy doing because, like, you know, it's with my hands and, like, I just I just really like keeping my hands engaged all the time and I'm yeah. a very tactile person. And which also kind of explains why I'm, like, really good with, like, hardware stuff. I'm really, yeah. really, I'm really good with, yeah, like, it's, it's weird, but it, I don't know, it makes sense to me and it, I don't know, it makes sense to me. That's, I guess, that's how I, that's as close as I can come to, like, describing same yeah, yeah like, I'm a, it all, yeah I don't know it all makes sense and it all fits and um so like everything tactile and with my hands I love doing which is why I like like even cooking and stuff is kind of it's very therapeutic for me and so keeping my hands busy is all I need I just need to keep my hands busy all the time and so activity that just keeps my hands busy is just very very calming for me so um, I started painting by numbers as like a way to deal with uh, and like cope with like my anxiety. And so if I'm trying to like listen to podcasts or watch a movie, but I keep getting distracted too easily, if I'm painting while I'm doing it, I don't. Yeah, that's, I feel that too, because like sometimes, I mean, I'm a knitter, like I like to knit, mm -hmm. I like to, um, I like to knit, I play like, I play instruments, like, I play guitar and piano and things like that. So I definitely get that. Like, I do also really like working with my hands and building things and making things. Um, so, yeah, like, I'm always knitting and stuff like that. So I definitely relate. I definitely relate to that, even though I'm not, like, dimming or anything like that. It's just something that feels, like, natural and nice. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, it's just... It makes, yeah, it, and like, that's the thing, that's the thing, right? I can't, I can't be, like, on call at work with my video on painting while I'm listening to the meeting. Right. Or at office with an adult coloring book, coloring while I'm listening, because that would be very odd. Right. You know what I'm saying? That would be considered disrespectful or odd or... You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think... I think that's kind of like, that's like, you know, some of the frustrations that I have with like, oh, like, I guess I'm always going to have to kind of 
play by like neurotypical rules or like abide by their rules. like it mm. almost becomes like a us versus them thing and I'm just like it's not even that but it's kind of it's starting to feel like that because everything that's designed around me, I'm slowly starting to understand how like it's going to keep getting in the way. Because until now, maybe I kept, you know, you know, I could have kind of used the whole she's a kid excuse. But now kind of like entering the corporate world, it's like, you know, so, so, some things are just considered etiquette or expected. And, and, um, you know, more old school your industry, harsher it is around those kinds of, um, you know, expectations and, and rules and culture and things like that. And, and, you know, that being said, like, yeah, I mean, there is obviously a move in the positive direction, which, which I'm glad, of, but I, I just, I hope, like, you know, get, I hope it picks the fuck up because I'm just, I'm kind of like, yo, like this, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> quicker like faster i i don't have the patience for this shit can we like make this happen a little quicker please like why should we wait this long like why are you waiting this long like it's not like adhd was discovered two years ago it's not like autism was discovered three months ago it, these are these are conditions people have been diagnosed with for a long ass time And I don't know, I just, I almost feel like everyone's just too lazy to want to accommodate. Yeah, and even then, like, and even on that leg, like, why is it so difficult to accommodate? Certain things are, certain things are very easy, right? It would be very easy for people to stop judging you if you need to use an adult coloring book in a meeting. Right? Like, it would be very easy for people to just leave you alone if you need a fidget cube. Like, these are things that are very, very simple, right? Like, it's not even that... It's it's not even a big ask. Yeah. So. It's not that big of an... I mean, it's like... It's not that big of an... I mean, but... You know, that's what I'm saying. There's There's, like, all of these... There's all of these expectations when it comes to, I guess... Um, corporate settings and, uh, you know, official processes and... Yeah, we could really, uh, yeah, we could really get into that. And, like, just the whole, like, barriers to healthcare and barriers to getting the care that you need. Um, and then, like, having anxiety and having depression and, like, going through oh, yeah. when you need a therapist most is when it's hardest to go out and find one. Oh, yeah. And that's oh, yeah. why, like... I mean, for me, like, when I'm doing well is when I need to nail down a good therapist. Because when it all goes down, I'm not going to have the energy to call 15 therapists and have none of them call me back. Like, I just can't afford that. Like, my mental health can't afford that. Yeah. So, you know, when I, like, moved back home and got on my new insurance, like, all I did during my lunch breaks and like all I did throughout the day was just call a bunch of different therapists and email, send out a bunch of emails to see who would respond. Um, and I think I sent out like maybe 10 or 12 emails in a week and only three people emailed me back. Um, one emailed me back saying she was full and referred me to one of her colleagues. Um, and then one emailed me back uh, saying she could schedule an appointment in the next couple 
weeks and one emailed me back saying that I could start like next week. So I went with her and I actually got lucky. I ended up liking her a lot in the first, um, in like my first few sessions. Like I ended up really liking her and I still talk to her today. Um, but I've definitely also been in situations where after all that, I would meet with the one therapist that got back to me and I didn't like them. And I'd have to start all over again. And that was something that happened to me a lot as a student at UCLA. Um, was that like when I was feeling like I was going to start struggling or feeling like, you know, I was sort of on the, on the downward spiral when I started calling therapists. Like sometimes I would just have to take what I could get. Um, and I mean, you know, and not to say that any of these people were bad therapists necessarily. They just weren't um they just weren't maybe they just weren't quite culturally sensitive to like what I was kind of going through right because coming from like an Asian American household is a little bit different in terms of like the stigma around mental health and like that kind of collective that kind of like collective idea right that like your family comes first and you don't want to bring shame or anything like that um which has definitely been changing, I think, in my, especially in my own family, as like more of us have sort of come out and been like, yeah, we see therapists, like, yeah, this is normal now. But there was a period of time where it was like such a thing, you know, and it was like a Shh, don't tell anybody kind of thing. And I don't know. So like, you know, but even now, like if a therapist is if a therapist asks me like, oh, have you talked to your mom about that? Or have you talked to your dad about that? I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, that's not how that works. Right. So if I um, wanted to talk to them about it, I would have done it before I paying like what yeah like dollars an hour to talk to you. Yeah, like I'm not exactly. I'm not paying you one hundred fifty dollars an hour for you to tell me to tell my mom. Like obviously I should, right? <laughs> obviously there is some productive there is some productive conversations that need to happen between me and my parents. Um, but sometimes like I don't have the energy for that. I don't have like because sometimes talking to my parents is its own its own form of like small scale activism, right? Because they just don't really understand. They don't really have all the context and you really have to fight for your viewpoints. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, absolutely. I, th I just think that closing that generation gap first and then having to like explain, like, like, you know what I'm saying? Every time you have to tell them a story every time you have to like tell them something about yourself you need to like close that generation gap first and then you've got to like tell them the story and then the effort that just goes into closing that gap is so enormous that I'm just like half the time I don't want to have that conversation if it isn't absolutely necessary exactly you know if therapists are going to give me advice like that I'm just like you probably like you know you probably know what you're talking about and it probably is scientifically right thing to do even you know but I'm just saying culturally it's not gonna happen dude like it's just it's not gonna happen so you're you're useless to me you're well-meaning you really are but you're pretty useless to me exactly yeah so I do have those issues and then also being bisexual on top of that or like you know and talking about relationships and talking about like growing up queer and the challenges that kind of go with that um I don't know there's just a level of sensitivity that you need to have to be my therapist you know like I don't want to explain the whole, I don't want to have to explain the whole queer thing to you I don't want to have to explain the whole Asian thing to you you know like I just want you to kind of get it and like yeah maybe that I mean maybe that's a lot to ask from like a straight white therapist um 
but like the fact is that's mostly what's available to me is like therapists who are straight and therapists who are white and honestly we need more brown people we need more queer people like we need more diversity in like mental health care and stuff like that like obviously that's like a whole systemic societal issue but you know i think there's a lot that can be done in the meantime with the therapists that are out there and i think like i mean i'm i know i'm very fortunate where i am um to have found my therapist um, who is quite sensitive to all of that and who has worked with, you know, the Asian American and queer patients and stuff like that. And I'm also lucky to live in an area that's fairly diverse. So you get a lot of Asian American patients. So, you know, that even a white therapist has probably worked with an Asian kid, you know, Um, but that's definitely not true everywhere. Not everywhere is Southern California where there's a shit ton of Asian people, you know, Honestly, to, to be fair, like, my mom is the chillest of the lot. Like, on average, like, for, you know, the average brown mom, my mother is is very, very progressive, very, you know, chill and laid back. And Yeah, same. I also have a chill mom. And my mom actually came to the United States when she was 17. So my parents are very, very chill. Like, my parents came here when they were young, like... Yeah, like, imagine imagine you coming here as a, you know, 17, 18-year-old starting college. Like, that was my mom. Yeah. Um, she was 17 when she came to the U.S. And so, like, I've, I think, like, my parents have definitely made a lot of progress in terms of that, like, in terms of things, th- thinking about things like mental health. Like, my family has been much better about that than I think a lot of Asian American families are, a lot of Asian American kids are. Um, but yeah, like it's, it took a little, it took a little work and it's, it's evolving and yeah, now my parents are chill. Now my parents know, my parents know about a lot of my shenanigans. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty publicly and visibly queer. Um, I'm, you know, pretty vocal about my struggles with mental health, like in the past and now currently. And I think, like, for me, it's just very important for people to speak up about it and for people to be visible and for people to discuss the issues that they face because other people could be going through the same thing and those other people might not be as lucky as we are to have the support that we have or to have the family members that do sort of show up for us in the ways that they do. And it can be really validating because I know for me, it's always really validating, like, seeing other people going through similar things and also just like killing it and doing their thing, you know? What what, what will my outro be? Oh my god, we have to end the show too, don't we? You can't just stop talking. Yeah, no, you can't just be like abruptly be like, okay, this this is the end. I think, okay, this is where we cut it. Okay, bye. Bye. (laughs) But yeah, this is super fun. Drop your socials. How can how can the people find you? How can they get in touch with you? I guess you could find me on Twitter if you want to see me um, angrily tweet at the governor and talk about transportation. Um, that's at colloquially Joss. That's J O C because they didn't let me add the E. And my Instagram is also colloquially Joss, but the Joss is J O C E. It's confusing. I don't like it. It's whatever. I have to live with it. Okay. Um, thank you so much for coming on. And thanks to everyone for listening to, to both of us jabber on and on and on. 
If you enjoyed what you heard um, and want to keep listening to more episodes, smash that follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all that shit. Uh, you can also follow on Instagram as well as Twitter at on the podcast. Lastly, but most importantly, drink your water and eat your fiber so you don't spend too much time on the pot. Thank <music> you.